coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Be short and snappy with this one. Well, look, if stuff breaks up, stuff breaks up. Do I just start and then Dave, if and when he turns? Just Dave, Dave joins in. Let's yeah. go. Let's hear about your explorations in the last week. Uh, well, yeah, look, I'm on Radio Row at the moment. Jazz, I'm going to tell you that the Pat McAfee show is being filmed live as I speak. About, what, 100 metres away to my left? So I can walk up. Nobody's, That's cool. nobody's actually surrounding their stage that they've got set up here at Radio Row. So I could actually go up and try and yell during their show and be like, Pat. Pat, Jazz says hi. Can you give us Jazz hands? And stuff like that. <laughs> I'm probably not going to do that, though. Um, I mean, that's probably one way of getting yourself kicked out pretty quickly, to be honest. Oh, there's loads of things that can get you kicked out of here pretty quickly. I'm just trying to keep my head down. All I want to do is hear what the Bengals and the Rams have to say in the, over the next few days. Go and see them on Friday. And that's me. And then do my game. That's, that's what I want to do from this trip. But... Uh, yeah, there's, there's been plenty going on already. We had a, a chef over at our table um, at Talk Sports Radio Road. Oh, table. yeah? Yeah, I caught the back end of the interview, actually. I came over and caught the back end of it, and it was talking all about best ways to do wings and the best food for uh, Super Bowl game day and how she puts like a different twist on some of it because she doesn't want like the beige food that you get all the time at NFL games and stuff like that, so... Yeah, it's... Uh, if she's making buffalo wings and ribs beige, they're doing it wrong. No, but you know what I mean? Because you get, like, just, like, fries and generic fried chicken. Fries well and, and all that kind hot of dogs. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, went to... Oh, here's what I went to yesterday, Jess. I don't know if you saw Instagram or anything. I meant to put it up on uh, on the Return to Picks I've seen well. some of the food stuff. I was going to ask you more about it, yeah. Oh, the food at the game yesterday. So we get invited up to go to the stadium, and it gives you a chance to have a look at the stadium before the game. And also a chance yeah. to try some of the food that they're going to be putting out in the slightly nicer areas of the stadium, I, I, I'm led to believe. And uh, Right. I'm not going to lie. You end up paying... Uh, we, we sat in a couple of seats we weren't allowed to sit in that are $45,000 a seat for the game. And then we went down, down into the sideline boxes, which I think are even more expensive. And if you're in one of those sideline boxes, your head is basically at field level because they're slightly sunken into the ground. You've got all of the kit from the team on the sideline in front of you. So you can't see the game from the sideline. Yeah. And the food that they put out for us yesterday, kind of trash. Yeah, I mean, it looked pretty... Much like a normal concession stand, as I'd imagine. The, some of the hot dog looking things looked a bit like it came out of, uh, the, I don't know the, the brand, but the Frankfurters can. Mm. And just quickly kind of warmed up as opposed to grilled or rolled or anything like that. So didn't look the best. I mean, the, the cheeseburger sub was just basically a longer beef patty stuck in a hot dog bun. You, it tasted it tasted the same as McDonald's. Now the burrito, I will say, there was right. like a a, um, a kind of gravy Mexican gravy and pork burrito that was pretty damn good. That was very nice. 
But aside from that, it was like generic pizza. Was it quite meaty? Yeah, yeah. A lot of meat. Okay, that's good. Because when we went to Tottenham, the, the burritos we got there for, I think it was like £11 or whatever it was. One piece of chicken and a chicken burrito. Yeah. Not- and not talking like a chicken breast, like a shred of chicken. Yeah, that that's not acceptable. Definitely not acceptable. No. no. No, this was... But then again, this is the stuff that they're putting out to showcase. So maybe they put a bit more effort in. There was some like spicy chicken sandwich and stuff like that. Some of the footage and the ones that were laid out in front of us looked pretty good. But the stuff that we got to try was generic pizza, this burrito thing. Uh, yeah. So, you know, t- tater tots. Which are yeah. just like mini hash brown balls, basically. And they were given like a special like a name. Cylinder. Yeah. Yeah, they were given like a special name, like Zingy Tangy Special Mega Tater Tots. And all it was was tater tots with a little bit of mayo, a little bit of teriyaki, and a little bit of sriracha. And it was fine, but again I can make <laughs> I can make tater tots with sriracha, teriyaki, and mayo on any day of the week if I really want to. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, was, very true. I was a little disappointed. I'm hoping that's the only disappointment we have around uh, Los Angeles because everything else is pretty cool. Radio Row yesterday was freezing cold for some reason. They decided to put the air conditioning down. Somebody was, was saying, it done online or done like properly? No, no. Radio Row is the bit I'm in at the moment. So this is Radio Row all behind me. You right. can see Jazz uh, on my thing. You've just got a big convention center room of tables. There's people milling about. All the tables are a different radio station. I'm currently sat on WDCN North Bethesda's uh, table because they're not using it right now. Um, so I figured oh. I'd, I'd sell. Well, there you go. So big thanks to WDCN who are not affiliated with us at all. But um, so Radio Row in this room, I was in shorts and t-shirt yesterday because it's 28 degrees outside in Los Angeles. It's beautiful weather, and I sat down and I was shaking and my f- centigrade, of course, not Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my fingernails were blue by the end of yesterday being in here. Like, I was that freaking cold. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit all over the place. The NFL shop has decided to add an extra $100 to half of the items there because they're being sold in the NFL shop if you go online. The woman, the woman <laughs> who I spoke to at checkout, because I, I always buy a game ball from these Super Bowls. I always get one. That's my little, like, nugget. Um, normally I get them, like, signed by the broadcasters or any cool interviews we get and stuff. But unfortunately, I went to buy one of the game balls at the shop 275 US dollars. Oh. Now, I, w- I bought this NAF lanyard that I've got because it's something to put my media pass on um, for $10. Which mm-hmm. I was like, that's fine. That's six quid. That's what you probably pay for a NAF lanyard anyway. Went to the shop to check out. And uh, yeah, the woman said, I-, I said to her, what's going on with this thing? Like the game balls are no, I know are expensive. They're normally like 150 bucks or something. But like, what, what's going on with 275? You guys have jacked up the price massively. And she just leans in and says, "Look, don't tell anyone, but just go online. They've put the prices up so much at the NFL shops here in Los Angeles that it's just just go and buy it online." And I did. I went and looked. They're 170 bucks online. Well, she just saved you 105 bucks right there, didn't it, she? It's just outrageous, though. Uh, a $100 yeah. markup on a ball for the sake of buying it where this LA, um, LA NFL experience is, which is fine. There's some stuff going on. You can do, like, field goal kicking and whatever, but, yeah. Have you had a go? 
No, not yet. I've only been wearing my Jordans. Jordans aren't great for kicking field goals, I don't think. No, I can imagine that, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, fair enough. Well, it sounds like I'm trying to find the negatives in all of this. It has been uh it has been pretty cool. It's been it's been very cool actually. Like the Pro Bowl stuff was really fun. We had uh interviews with Nick Chubb that then the audio corrupted, which was a disaster. So that was my wonderful favorite interview of the week down the drain, but we had Max Crosby. AJ Cole is my favorite person that I've met so far, the Raiders punter. Cuz we were just Right, okay. We were just hanging out. He was chatting to some people next to me at the uh, at the Pro Bowl. And I just said, AJ, the Raiders media team have been telling me that you're a big fan of your shades and mustache combo. Uh, are you still feeling pretty proud of it this uh, this week? And he was like, man, I love this combo. Because he's wearing the, like, the Mahomes visor shades. And he's grown mm-hmm. this big, thick mustache on his top lip. And, uh, and we just got chatting about that. And... Um, I can't remember how it came up, but I said like, "Oh, I had I actually had money on uh, on you guys and the Chargers tying that last game of the season," and he just turned and went. So I guess you really wanted me to drop that hole, didn't you, sucker? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, okay, getting blazed out by an NFL punter. That's uh, uh, that's, that's a new excellent. one. That's a new one." Um, yeah. He was a, yeah, he was a very friendly off-air chat. Uh, Max Crosby was a very cool on-air chat. Deontay Johnson was a very cool on-air chat. He was very relaxed and and chilled. The Pro Bowl was really nice, and then you get to the game and you're like, uh, "Oh, what a joke!" Did you watch it? Yeah, because it was on TV. So I thought, why not? I mean, I, like you said, flag football would be better, or even just have seven on seven, but have it full speed at least. Mm. I don't care if they're not tackling properly or wrapping up or hitting. Just make it look like you care. Yeah, I mean, that. a little bit of intensity is, I think, the word that I'd like to use. A, a, a tiny dash of intensity would be useful for the Pro Bowl. That's about it. Dave, what are your thoughts on the Pro Bowl? Did you watch any of it at all? It's nice for you to uh, turn up here. What? <laughs> can you hear me? I can yeah. hear you. All right. I had to restart my computer. I threw my uh, microphone across the room, so uh, I'm glad uh, it's still working after that. Um, Well, as long as you can hear me, I didn't break it, but I was pretty mad. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Pro Bowl, no no thoughts, no opinions, didn't watch any of it. Um, You didn't miss anything. Mm. No, no comments at all. I'm afraid. Did w- yeah? Was it? Were there any good points? I know Jazz was complaining about touch football, which is the, that's all we're saying. That it might as well be in flag football. If you're yeah. not going to do that, make it seven on seven and have some fun. But the linemen don't really need to be there because they weren't really trying. Yeah. Offensive linemen must have the most boring time. Them and the punters, because the punters held like three extra points each, and the offensive linemen don't get to block. They don't really get to pass block. They just have to pretend. Like, it's just, I feel so, you feel sorry for them. I mean, I was in the stadium <laughs> and didn't watch They're it. just having a good time, aren't they? They're just chilling out. They're just happy to be there, aren't they? It's such. A, it's still, the thing is, the Pro Bowl's so, like, I don't know. It's a bit of a joke, isn't it? And it's not a real game stuff. Um, but it's still such a prestigious thing to be named to the Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah. So they're just really happy, I think, to just... On that topic of punters, did you see the graphic, I think, at halftime or sometime in the second half, where maybe the AFC punter, so it might be the Raiders guy, I think it was, there's graphics underneath it, in the game he's had three holds, so three snaps in total, and two hot dogs eat 
Yeah. So the fact that you're judging him based on hot dogs, <laughs> says a lot about how much involvement they had. I yeah. love that. What well, they should make it. My suggestion is they should make it like the Harlem Globetrotters, where they go out there, they kind of pre-arrange WWE style who's going to win, and they just have like a literal take the piss laugh. They do some weird shit like. I don't know, they could bat the ball into the end zone and then people are batting it around to each other and I'd watch some of that. I mean, that's kind of how it ended with lots of kind of defensive players playing offence and offensive players playing defence. And if they had an interception return, it was just, oh, let's run it back, oh, let's run here, let's throw it here, let's throw it there. Uh There's a bit of something going on. There wasn't enough enough trick plays, though, I don't think. Like, there weren't... We watched, for instance, uh, a fake field goal where eventually the holder rolls out to the left and ends up catching a touchdown for the AFC. And stupidly, again, this was something I spoke to uh, AJ Cole about when we were just having a little, you know, a little chin wag on the sideline of training. Because mm-hmm. I said, I, I said to him, are you planning to, to catch a touchdown in this is that the is that the aim for you to get a td off this fake field goal in your own house in front of home fans at the pro bowl because yeah. if so we'd like to know so we can put some money on aj cole being a touchdown scorer in the pro bowl <laughs> i'm happy to play that game and he said that, that was the intention until raiders social media guys put that play up on social media the day before so it's like cheers mm. Raiders, thanks for you know you go all the way through a season <laughs> trying to keep your playbook hidden and everything like that, and then as soon as you get to the Pro Bowl, where some of us might have a great chance to put some money on that, you screw us over. Absolute BS, man. Absolute BS. Um, but yeah, no. Aside from that, the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl had a pretty poor spread in terms of food. The breakfast was okay. Uh, then it was packed lunches. Apparently, so we've been chatting with some of the Raiders guys this week. And they, all the journalists have been saying, like, the spread at the Raiders is normally exceptional. And they were very disappointed about the Pro Bowl. Like, normally they have loads right. of really good food laid out. And then they'll have a big section of the, the lunch buffet for the media where it's the away team's local delicacy as well. So, like, when the Titans come uh-huh. into town, yeah. there's loads of, like, proper sticky barbecue and stuff like that. Uh, oh, that's fun. There was none of that. There was about there was a, a nice array of donuts, um, which and cakes, which I think Jazz would have appreciated. But in terms of food, the food yeah. at these NFL events. Jazz is Jazz like is com- Jazz is conflicted now. When you say the word spread, he normally thinks of betting, but now he's uh, his mouth. No, I always first thought peanut food. butter or jam or. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. We're going triple triple meaning. All right. I mean, so then you levels. get into betting. Betting's the. That's not in the hierarchy anywhere there. But how are you going to buy, you know, if you win some bets, then that's that's a lot of peanuts, you know? That's a lot of peanut butter you can make with those peanuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you can spread that peanut butter, cover the spread of that jam with the peanut butter, and you've got a delicious sandwich right there. Oh, yeah. Um, or chocolate right. spread, too, instead of the jam, either way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fussy. Both of them, great combination. <laughs> But I guess now, Ollie, who do you, who, who, what's the consensus from people you're speaking to out there about? You must be asking them about the Super Bowl, who no, they've got and stuff. Not at all. Is it, it, you haven't been asking it's people not, who's, who you think gonna, is going to win? Super Bowl's stuff? not even on our radar out here, to be honest. We're not even, it's, it's just a game, <laughs> whatever. Don't worry about it. We try not. Right. We try not to bring it okay. up in any interviews. Actually, that's that's our key. Mister Big Shot. Week. It's like he's on his third Super Bowl. It's just another game now. 
Well, no, it's more let's play the game of let's not mention <laughs> the Super Bowl to anybody and see if we can get away with not referencing the Super Bowl at any point. In uh, no, of course we, of course we've been asking people about the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, what who's what are people saying then? Give me the give me the vibe out there. Are people going leaning Rams or do they like the Bengals? Every, What's going on? Everyone that's going with their head is saying Rams. The head is Errol Rob. And, oh, Jazzy and the, giving away the show for the betting. And the Bengals are without a doubt the people's team. So the people with their hearts want Cincinnati to win it. I think every uh-huh. everybody just likes this Bengals team. Everybody likes Joe Burrow. May well be somebody who's going to usurp the crown of Mahomes and Brady for most jerseys sold next season, I reckon. That'll be interesting. That'll be really interesting. Yeah. Because there are people, there are Browns fans out here that are like, yeah, but I love that Joe Burrow. I want the Bengals to win. There are so many. I mean, Jazz, you're a Steelers fan and you want an AFC North team. I want the Bengals to do it. To win the Super Bowl. It just shows the the novelty of the Bengals being in that position combined with the likability of that team. Um there's still, I mean, our, our host here, Will Gavin, is is still trying to get as much anti Zach Taylor chat out of as many people as possible, which I think is fucking a bit because he doesn't buy into Zach Taylor, which which I think is fair to say because he didn't have a great start to his coaching career for sure at Cincinnati, but a lot of it, a lot of the combination, a lot of people put down to a lot of the success comes down to Burrow's impact on this team, whether it's been the confidence that he brings and the confidence then emanates around the locker room. Like it's so impressive for a young QB to step in, be so casual yet authoritative. And, you know, he's, he's got such a relaxed demeanor about himself. 99% of the time, like nothing phases him. Um, It was either him or McPherson. Who's, who's said, made this comment of, um, well, nobody expected us to be here. So now we're here. We might as well just go win it. Like it's, it's, it exudes that confidence that you want without being Ray Lewis intense. And I think that's yeah. why people are getting really won over by the Bengals. Whereas, whereas the Rams, it's Hollywood. And while everybody likes Hollywood and Hollywood brings out the glitz and the glamour, you also resent Hollywood a little bit, don't you? Like you're a bit like you're a world detached away from us. Oh, look at the, the Rams are like the NBA, you know, kind of conglomerates that you get now the the three four stars go to one team all in one off season put themselves on a team and then they're like this is a team filled with all stars already that we're going to go and win a championship with and and that's what they've done and that's that that's the way they've gone out to win a super bowl this year by selling the house and going all short term which is great and if it works it'll pay off in a wonderful way and i don't think the rams are the most unlikable team at all in the nfl and you don't get that no, sort of... I think the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and his fiance and brother have that moniker at the minute. <laughs> that's, that's so unfair. I, but, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily... I think Pat is still pretty favourable right now, Jazz. I think the Chiefs yeah. are still fairly like Maybe to little children, those that know. Uh-uh. <laughs> but, um, so, like, the Rams are by no means disliked, but there's, definite, there's definitely a pro-Bengals heart. But the head okay. says the talent is there for the Rams right now. Yeah. Is, well, that's probably yeah. how this podcast comes out, I would have thought, as well. I kind of... I want the Bengals to win. I'll be rooting for them. But if the Rams win, 
I'll be pretty happy for them as well. I'm kind of like in my head I'm probably seventy thirty Bengals. I'm which is a it's a nice position to be in. I just want I want a good game. Yeah. Good clean game, Jazz. Yeah, I mean and fundamentally either way it ends, I'll be not unhappy. I'll like it more if the Bengals do it. I would just like you said, like a really good, close, tight. Imagine the American game. game. Going. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, so yeah. So as I said there, I've given away that I think the Bengals will do it. So that's my, that's my two cents on it. And in terms uh-huh. of then talking about Zach Taylor being a good coach or not, I think what we should really look at is the GM. So the off-season acquisitions, and we haven't really spoken much about this, but the Bengals picked up Hendrickson. Larry Og and Joby, who were both pivotal in their D-line, yeah. mm-hmm. they picked up all three of their starting corners, who have also played really well. And the other two, what well, doesn't make the difference about the other two, but they have been huge difference makers on that defensive side of the ball without a question. So I think if you don't have the GM making those moves, the defense can't help try and keep up with the Burrow and the Chase and the Mixon. And I think the reason why Mixon's having such a good year is because, one, he's been healthy, but two... The Bengals have got so many weapons on the outside now. You have to account for them as opposed to just thinking, oh, it's just AJ Green. We'll just cover him. Now you've got to cover mm-hmm. Chase. You've got to cover Boyd. You've got to cover Higgins. If Uzama makes it, you've got to cover him. So it makes it much more of a multi-dimensional offense to go with a much more retooled and, again, free edge acquisition style defense. Do you, All good points. Just on that AJ Green that sounds like it's going to be really uh, condescending the next. No, 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 All good no, points, just, but the it's, an, it's, an, it's, it's a complete aside. I was just thinking, <laughs> okay. AJ Green, if he had had Joe Burrow throwing to him for five to eight years in Cincinnati, would we be talking about him as a kind of, I don't know, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, like that upper echelon? He always seemed like a kind I think of. There were points like, that AJ on the outside Green... looking in a little bit. No, there were points that AJ Green was in that upper echelon. Like it was, it, yeah. the the point was always AJ Green even, is being held even back more than that. He would be pushed on to like like we'd already be like oh he's a Hall of Famer already. Uh, there, there is a chance of that. Um, I think he was always considered well in his prime, in his very very much his pomp. He was always a yeah. this is a this guy is a top five in the league. He's held back basically by the fact he's at the Bengals. Like what is AJ Bengals. Green, TJ yeah. Hushamanzada was a, a great combination that basically opened up Green a lot more when Carlson Palmer was there. And the mm-hmm. thing they then lacked for a lot of that time, if I'm correct, I might be wrong, is the balance of the run game, which then is a, you know, is a, is a problem in terms of, well, you're still only focusing on that pass tack. You can still drop more into coverage and cover Huzum and Zada and, and AJ Green at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think Hush was gone by the time AJ Green appeared, but... Do you think? I thought they had a, at least a couple of seasons together. I'm about to check now. Hold on. But um, if I am wrong, then I'm wrong, obviously. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a very much like an ifs and buts. You could look at... Yeah, he was gone. You could look at a if Stafford... No, I just I just feel a little bit sorry for AJ Green that he's uh, kind of missing out on this potentially amazing new era with Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. Just an aside, sorry, whatever, what Jazz was saying, I completely agree with. And I, just on the Zach Taylor thing, I mean, the Bengals in the playoffs, certainly, I think in the season they've been up and down, and you guys kind of got on the Bengals 
bandwagon early and you know all like credit to you for that we're talking about that window late november yeah i know that seems that seems like a long time ago now i went i went and looked back at it it was late november after the they put 41 in two straight weeks over the steelers and the ravens and it wasn't about whether the fact that they beat those two teams it was about the manner and the number of points that they put up particularly on that steelers defense Uh, Well, well i mean it looks really prescient now but the before then they were so up and down throughout the season. But in the in the playoffs they've come together and they look, you know, particularly against the Chiefs, they just look so well organized. And I, I think that as a team overall, we're gonna get into I wanted to talk about grading some of the different positional groups. And we can grade the coaches as well, as part of it. Um, for the Rams and the Bengals. But when you look at it, I feel like Bengals have performed above their skill level as a team. So that points to really good coaching. Oh so yeah. I don't really know where the Zach Taylor, anti Zach Taylor brigade. Especially when you consider the well, defensive well, side of the ball. It's Lou. I was going to say it's Lou Anarumo. Lou Anarumo needs so much more credit than he's getting as a as a coach right now. Like it's a name. Is that, the DC? Yeah, it's a name that barely's cropped up. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like is it is that the. The decisions yeah. he's made in those games against the Chiefs in the second half of games and the adjustments that they've made in, in key moments in games on that defense huge have, yeah. have, have come from him. Yeah. And there would be years where we'd be, you know, if if it was a Steve Spagnuolo or a, an Eric Bieniemy or somebody like that, mm-hmm. we'd be waxing lyrical all week about it and all that kind of stuff. Like nobody's mentioning Lou. Uh, one of our one of our boys here is a a big Bengals fan, like huge Bengals fan. So he's just having the time of his life basically right now. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> he's been banging this drum all week, and every single person that we've had that's like a Bengals beat writer or something, he's been asking like, why are people not talking about him? And there's no real reason why they're not because they should be. And, and I and I, I completely agree with you that there is an element of coaching. I mean, if you think the Bengals of their up and down year if they win the Super Bowl that will be the only four game winning streak that they've had this season they haven't managed well, to put four on the bounce yet this year they, I'd they be had, surprised if have they, have they had three on the bounce they maybe had, they closed the season they had with three, three with they? 15, 16, 17 and then they rested starters for week 18 and lost to the yeah. Browns but yeah. and of course they just won the wild card division on championship yeah so they've had the Sorry. three in the playoffs and the three in the regular season Whereas the Rams started with three victories, lost one, started with then another four victories, lost three in a row when the wheels seemed to fall off, and then had a nice five-game win streak week 13 to week 17, and then, of course, the victories in the wildcard division. Lost the four banners. And championship, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got a uh, got a good uh, stat for you guys. It's just popped up for me. While oh, I was, I was Dave's stat corner it's coming it's... back. Stat corner. I haven't seen it in a while. I don't think I've done that at all this year. Uh, Aaron Donald has more All-Pro and Pro Bowl selections than Bengals as a team. Yeah, that sounds about right, though. Yeah, yeah it does. But that's yeah. wild. Yeah, so I mean, when like... we talk about the Bengals playing above their level, then, you know, that is such a sign of it, isn't it? They are, yeah, but except know, that Aaron... in many ways, a young team, and they're a team that hasn't, been recognized individually yeah but that's not surprising they're not and a team of stars are they the bengals have got what four pro bowlers this year that couldn't make it because of the obviously being in the super bowl uh no three pro bowlers actually chase Mixon, and hendrickson but that just shows that this bengals team is the antithesis of what the nfl is which is your dog shit and then 
two years, you can suddenly be in the Super Bowl if things are run well and yes. you make the right free free agency acquisitions and you yeah and you right build the right draft team. choices. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's it's not like. I don't know if that's a real slam on the Bengals of like, oh, it shows. No, no, above. I wasn't. I wasn't. Sl- I, I wasn't mean, let's slamming. Face facts. It was. It was just more. It Playing. was just. More, I mean, that's more of a nod to how great Aaron Donald is, but it's also just. It's just where that the Bengals are. You know, Jazz mentioned some of the free agent acquisitions. Obviously, you know, like you know, Burrow's only been on the team since his third year. Second We've year. We've got um, second year. Sorry, and he, he was injured for for a lot of his first year. It's like. They're kind of they haven't had chances to get pro bowl nods and stuff because this team's just all come together at the right time, isn't it? And yeah. let's let's remember that on Monday morning, when Aaron Donald wakes up, he'll have one less Super Bowl ring than the rest of the Bengals do. So <laughs> you can take your all pros, you can take your Pro Bowls, they mean nothing. Right, we've uh, we've got about twenty five minutes until I need to shoot off. So let's do this ranking of the. Uh, All right. Okay. Okay. Let's see what let's see what you guys think then. So because we are going to get just some. Be a good way to. We are going to get some Joe Burrow and some hopefully some Joe Mixon and some other the other Bengals and Rams players thrown in at the end of this podcast from those interviews. So we'll be able to have those coming up afterwards. So that's that's the importance. Of... Speak to Burrow. Well, we will do oh, once we will do once I finish this Zoom call and actually get back to work with you, because <laughs> we've got we've got Zoom press conferences with the Bengals in yeah twenty four minutes. So, wow, exciting. Okay, yeah. all right. So, so grading. Okay, so if we go through different elements of the team and we break it down, and then look at the coaching as well, and then we can kind of give get an idea of both teams overall. So skill positions, what do you guys think? So we're just going A, B, C, you know, there's no Ds here, I would say, unless you're being particularly critical. Where, where, where do you think you can give, uh, it can be an A plus, it can be an A minus, B plus, a B minus. What, what do you think? I give the Bengals an A and the Rams a B. Yeah, that's exactly what I've got. What do you uh, think, Golly? I'm not going to mess around with minuses and pluses. I would probably go like B plus for both of them. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think they have fair enough. Because because the the Rams Cam Akers has had one good game, but uh, they got Henderson back off back off IR as well. I just think the find the finding of some sort of running game is going to create even more opportunities for Cooper Cup, OBJ. Um, like you can't turn you can't turn away and say that the the Rams skill position uh, the Bengals skill positions are better when the Rams have the very best one of the best wide receivers and the one of the best wide receiving seasons we've ever seen in the nfl yeah. so like cooper cup brings we that just level it was the best ever rookie receiving his season ever in yeah the NFL. no for sure for sure but he wasn't better than cooper cup so but I, but i think that they you know the bengals with their you know two and three receivers the trifecta the, yeah. the depth as well it's the depth that got me to don't, great height. don't sleep yeah. on and joe mixon is um, a better running back than sony michelle in the in the same way everybody's kind of uh sleeping on tyler boyd just a little bit because he didn't have a thousand yards this year don't sleep uh-huh. on van jefferson too much either yeah he's good he pops up he could have a big that would be an interesting one to go like that's g- yeah give him, you well, know, a two touchdown kind of bet that's Are you my, looking at that, Ollie? Is that, <laughs> it's more like it the Super Bowl always has somebody that kind of turns up at the right time. I, I remember yeah, chatting yeah. with, um, oh God, I can't remember the name, guy, guy's name now. 
It's like the number 10 for the Seahawks receiver going into that Seahawks-Patriots game. Hadn't caught a touchdown pass okay. all year, but we sat down and had a chat at one of the media availabilities, and then he caught five passes in the Super Bowl. So yeah, it, I can't think know, that is, but I know who you mean. There's always somebody that like kind of pops up or does something that maybe you weren't expecting or something like that, like a Corey Clement catching a deep oh. route, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. Or a T Higgins getting eight catches all right, for 100 yards. Okay, okay, so that gives a preview. Ollie's going to put 500 pounds on uh, Van, Van Jefferson, two touchdowns. Jefferson to score two touchdowns. Okay, so QB position. So I've 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 put uh, Burrow as an A minus. Um, you put Stafford as an F. Stafford is an F. Well, I want him to fail. You can put that in later <laughs> if you want the soundbite. Uh, I've got I've got uh, Stafford as a B plus. Is that is that a fair? I'd assessment? rank them about that. Yeah, or about yeah. even it's the same. If I'm honest. Yeah, I I would probably go with like A minus each. They both give you opportunities uh-huh. for turnovers. Yeah. Whether it's the amount of times that Burrow is going to get hit isn't necessarily his fault. Uh, they both yep. have made plays with their legs and scored touchdowns for their teams, and they both have mm-hmm. sling it around the place. So. Yeah, their, their, their stats are, if you go away and have a look at them, I haven't got them in front of me now, but I did have a look earlier. They're eerily similar, similar in terms yeah. of like touchdowns and inceptions and yards. It's, uh, it's quite impressive. Uh, okay, all right. So we're fairly on the same page. Offensive line. This is the, the real weak point for the Bengals. Yep. They gave up nine sacks against the titans um i don't know how many sacks they gave up against the chiefs four or five 51 thought, sacks on the my season head. they were a little bit better but um 51, 51 regular season sacks burrow took oh, that is so many isn't it yeah, i hope he doesn't get hurt again that is a worry for the future uh but yeah i've put them down as a c and you could probably even put them down as like a c minus i think greg rosenthal on the um ATN podcast said they were the worst offensive line to be in a Super Bowl. Greg Rosenthal is just just um, over there. Greg Rosenthal just behind me, just in the background there. Is he? Yeah. Hi, Greggy. He's in uh, that red <laughs> booth to the left. He's just over there, the iHeartRadio booth. Yeah. Sixty percent G. Um. Yeah, I think I think the Bengals' offensive line is potentially a D. If I'm honest, you can't. They yeah. cannot allow the Rams to get to. Joe Burrow like that. That's that's where the game gets won and lost for the Bengals. Well, Burrow is good under pressure and Burrow. everything. Okay. That's impressive. Maybe things are changing a little bit. I mean, the Rams' pass rush is obviously better. Um, oh, but, but it's the not, Chiefs actually. Got... Statistically, it's not. Statistically, the Rams need to blitz to get home. Okay. When they send four, it's not that effective. The Titans would send four and they were really good at it. They were in the top 10 of sending four and getting pressure, mm-hmm. which is what you saw against the Bengals. With the Rams, they have to send a fifth man. And you know who loves to absolutely shred the blitz when you send a fifth man? Joe Burrow. Mr. Burrow. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So we've got them as a kind of C. Or I bump them up to a C just because their um, run blocking is, um, it's pretty isn't good. too bad. But yeah. uh, the, the Rams then, B, B plus, you know. They, they seem yeah. to protect Stafford pretty well. He took a lot of hits against the Bucks, albeit, you know, hits after the throw kind of thing. Um, they're not that great. Sometimes he holds the ball too long as well, Stafford, which is probably one oh. of his faults. So yeah, bring... It might be a stat against him. I can just imagine Dave pulling out one of those scrolls, a list of Stafford faults that he's written down. Like, oh, and that's one of his faults. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, he holds the ball too long. Yeah, he's also yeah, got yeah. this and that. And he's just not a great guy. Come on, you know I'm right. That was fair. That was fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, not the best at that run 
run attack in terms of creating holes as well, I don't think. Uh, but they give Stafford yeah. time to do what he needs to do. And yeah, I mean, Andrew Whitworth's a monster. Did you see the thing about how Whitworth and Burrow uh, spent a lot of time hanging a out friend, last yeah, year? Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. So about rehabbing. When mm-hmm. Burrow was going through rehab in California, uh, which I just thought is like a really interesting yeah, little that was cool. through line to it. Yeah, I'll probably go with like a B. They're very average. Uh, there's nothing okay. special about them, but they're, yeah, they're fine. They're better than the Bengals. Let's put it that way. Yeah, defensive yeah. defensive front then. Rams, I put down as an A. Um, Bengals as the B, because of recent performances by the Bengals that's jumped them right up. Oh, if I th- if they had Larry Ogunjobi playing, I'd put them down as an A minus because I think he's wonderful in the middle of the D. But because he's injured, I'd give them a B plus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. And everyone talks about Trey Hendrickson, but no one talks about Sam Hubbard on the other side, who's an Ohio boy who is obviously clearly loving his time at the Bengals. And you put a bet on him in the last game to get a sack, Jazz. So and it came now. off. Yeah, so I there you go. You're going to have to look at that again. He leads the team. Oh, I have, and I'll... In, yeah. uh, in hurries and sacks in the playoffs at the moment, does Hubbard. So I think that shows yeah. the importance of wow. having somebody else alongside Hendrickson. That's how you make a three-man rush work when you've got two very good rushes at least in yeah. that three. So, but he doesn't he doesn't rush every play either. He drops into coverage quite a lot. On that game against the Chiefs, quite a lot of the time he was dropping back and almost spying Mahomes, trying to keep him from going out the side mm. of the pocket. So he's not just a hand in the dirt, let's go forward. He's a cerebral player that can make things happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, Great defensive backs. Now, I know Jazz, when I shared this on our WhatsApp group before, Jazz was heavily Instantly against told you my, you're wrong. Uh, my, my Bengals grading on this. I put the Bengals down as a B- minus and the Rams as a B+. Plus. So, oh, you had an A for the Rams, didn't you? No, B+, plus I've got down there. Okay, well, tell me, outside Jalen Ramsey, tell me another defensive back for the Rams. I don't know their defensive backs. Um because none of them are any good. <laughs> Eric, Eric Weddle coming in at this late point in the season, actually, I think, while he almost cost them the he game. Oh, the safety. Yeah, okay. But yeah, like yeah. coming out of retirement to step in and play. He's an old guy, isn't he? Play how he did, I, I think, is has been really impressive. And I actually think that level of wise head in a locker room again well, can help. be quite useful. Yeah, so... Eric, Eric Weddle my had a really good game against the Niners as well last uh, two weeks ago. So, yep, and I, I agree that he has been a very good addition to that defense. I and guess I very much needed. I am leaning a lot on Ramsey because I re- a I really like him, and b he's going to be so important in this game if they can slow down Chase. So, so that's if he shadows him. Maybe he doesn't shadow him. Maybe he just stays on one side of the field, uh-huh. and then you just put Higgins and Chase at the side. Deontay... It's difficult to say. The reason why I'm I'm all for the Bengals D-backs being graded higher is because they're three starting corners. I can't pronounce one of their names because it's really long and it's difficult, so I'm not going to try and mess it up. Eli Apple's played his best football in his career. And Mike Hilton was at the Steelers last year and the last few years. I always thought he was really good. And uh-huh. he's played brilliantly this year. God, Eli so, Apple going from the Giants to there is, I mean... That's what, a big... Well, that's the time massive that's possibly, game, Yeah, it? huge. It'd be so, nice if he could make a catch at some have, point. <laughs> they have Reggie Bates as your as your free safety. Bates I think has been he's excellent. one of the best safeties in the league, without question. Mm. I was going to say so, Bates is one eight. to really highlight in that um, in that secondary. Uh, Von yeah. Bell as well has had big games. I mean, you look at the secondary yeah, of, course, of yeah. the Bengals in this playoffs. 
the number of interceptions they got against the Titans, starting off the game with the interception against the Titans. They won the game mm -hmm. with the interception yeah. in overtime against Mahomes. It isn't always yeah. just about like, yeah. whether you're great or not. It's stepping up in great moments. And the Bengals secondary has done yeah. that massively in this playoffs. So And, st you know, Stafford, just to point out another... Uh fault he does give away inception he always so, gives you a chance uh, jacuisi tart knows yeah. that very well indeed he had a big chance and uh let yeah. it slip literally through his fingers the other one is and with those talking about interceptions though well, i just just quickly stop you there a second those two plays you're talking about the titans first play interception and the mahomes interception to seal the game the player with the hands on the ball for the titans one reggie bates the player that knocked the ball into the other player the bengals in the chiefs game Reggie Bates. Reggie! Mm. Yeah. 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 Reggie! Um, well, also, okay. going back Fair to enough. your Jalen Ramsey point, Deontay Johnson, I asked him, what would you rather have? Taking on a Bengals blanket coverage of eight men or one-on-one -on -one against Jalen Ramsey? And he said, Ramsey all day of the week because I'll be able to beat him enough times. Eight-man coverage is far too difficult. So actually... You only, you only have to beat them twice and you've scored two touchdowns, right? So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's great having a, a shutdown corner, but you need to yeah. shut down the rest of the field as well. And if you don't have a secondary that can do that, you know, another quarterback in that yeah. 49ers game that isn't Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody who can sling it a bit more, that's that's a real problem for the Rams going into that last drive of that final game. But they, it, it I, was Jimmy G. I mean, again, I'd, I'd have to look at... I'd have to look at the stats back, but the Rams weren't a leaky defense. But I suppose that could be they just weren't their amazing. They, they could be no, no, their oh, defensive line making the, up for deficiency in the, Rams the back end. The so. Rams defense has improved massively as the season's gone on. So if you look at their average drive across the 18 games, sorry, average yards they've allowed per game across the 18 games, it's something like 338. If you look at their average yards allowed per game, during the last three games of the regular season, it, that drops down to 260. So they've knocked over 60 yards allowed, which is pretty much a drive off their, off their yards allowed, which I think is a, a huge thing to look at in terms of the reason why a lot of people were out on the Rams for some time was they had that shaky moment in the middle of the season and they, the, the sum of their parts wasn't being fulfilled. But as we've moved through and pieces have come back in and chemistry's evolved yep. and they've worked out wherever, the Rams are just on an upward trajectory, which is the big problem for the Bengals. And the Bengals, again, if you really want to question it, it's that team riding the wave. They've got that confidence and everything. Yep. But is, it, is, there, is the sum of the Bengals' talent as good as the sum of the Rams' talent? And it probably isn't. That's what I'm but, saying. But the team, I mean, they're riding, like you said, they're riding the hot hands, they're riding the yeah. wave. It's the team and the team chemistry they've, they've got. Tight, close games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they're going to win. Beaten, you know, beating the Chiefs was like you just got to hold your hands up because they deserved to win that game as well. Yeah. It wasn't a fluke. They deserve to win that game. The, the other thing is... I think that was the best team in the NFL. So, the, the Rams I mean, have they started, shouldn't be scared of the Rams, that's for sure. The Rams have started hot in all their playoff games and then gone off the ball in the second half. The Bengals... Apart from the 49ers game. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. Um, well, the, the trouble with the 49ers game, as I mentioned to Dave, though, is that the Rams got into, like, no man's land between the 40s. And then... We're, putting themselves into real difficult positions of a short run that gets nothing second and nine 
toss, tossing a long bomb downfield, going for like a 30-yarder, and then leaving yourself with a third and nine that's difficult to complete. Uh, it was just really weird how they yeah, weren't... Yeah. They were grinding and moving the ball neatly, and then they get to that position, and then it would suddenly all stumble yeah. a little and well, decision-making well, that's the thing, Ollie, is like a lot... Yeah, I mean, a lot of analysts are just questioning, can Sean McVay Coach get this game. done? Yeah. Like, is he able to but that's, scheme his way but that's why you've to got a the Super Zach, Bowl? The Zach Taylor problem or is he well? shit the bed? You've got people questioning Zach Taylor, and it's like nobody really seems to be that in on these coaches at all. So it's, it's about well, the players. Well, what would you grade your coaches then? I'd just, I'd just put them both as a B, coaching-wise. Yeah. I guess Sean McVeigh's got the edge because he's been there before, but their last Super Bowl performance was a disgrace. Sean McVeigh so, should be there though with the with the team that they've got. That's the thing. Like that, I mean, that's why I picked yeah, even before yeah. they picked up Von Miller in the season. That's why I picked the Rams at the beginning of this year because they the Rams should be with that talented roster. Like they kind of had uh, everything going for them. They just needed the quarterback, and they went and got Stafford. And you're like, well, let's go. Then yeah, you go and yeah. get OBJ, and then you go and get Von Miller. I mean, if they had Robert Woods in this game, god damn, I think we'd be saying there's way less of a chance for the Bengals. If they had a, a three-man receiver yeah, of Cup, Woods, and OBJ, oh, you could be on for an absolute yeah. fisting. Uh. But, hey, <laughs> not, not to be. So on the topic of uh, absolute fisting, should oh. we go through our bets for the game? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Tell me, Jazz. What you got? So I'll tell you my, the, my game bet, which is the Bengals. And I took the over. I had to take the over. And I got me odds of pretty much four and a half to oh, 4.2 to one. What's the over? Nice. 48 and a half. Okay. Yeah, that's what I've got as well. Although I've taken the under. I've taken the under of 48 and a half. That was a good, like, that's yeah, a they really good doing. level. They know what they're doing. I know. They? Yeah. They've thought about that. It feels like it's somebody's job to really think about that. You know, the Pro Bowl, um, the Pro Bowl over under was like 62. It's almost like, like there's 62. millions of pounds at stake. <laughs> the Pro Bowl over under was like 60, 62 points. And that should have been, we should have put the house on that, on the over. They're yeah. always going to be more than 62 points. It's always going to be that. Anyway. Um, Okay, fair enough. Ollie, what have you got next year? Uh, I haven't actually been able to put a bet on yet because I've been running around and so busy. So my bets, I'm afraid I'm going to have to come later on in the week. So I will put a little uh, addendum on the end of okay. this uh, and add right, that. That's, that's fine. I'm okay. basically, whatever Gatorade Jazz is in on, I'm in on. That's all I'm going with right now. Whatever the Gatorade yeah. color yeah. is. So exactly. I was waiting for you to tell you yours and I'm going to tell you my little novelty bet I got. So first of all, I really have a feeling it's going to be yellow, green or lime. I think yellow. I don't know why. I just I saw a vision in my head of Joe Burrow and the coach having yellow over them. Is it gonna so I'm be going to be like, Gatorade has it been yellow in the past, Jazz? Because it yeah. looks like piss, has, right? Okay. It's been yellow, it's been red, it's been it, orange, not... it's been blue, it's been okay. clear. I just thought it's yellow might be a bit like they're pouring piss on it. No, thankfully, thanks, thanks to me that. Okay. So I'm going yellow. That gives yours a five to one currently, so I would recommend on that. I think I put uh, 10 pounds on that one. And we've got to go to Skybet for that. Yeah. I've gone really big on the opening kickoff. Okay. God. I got 50 quid on no touchback at evens. Annoyingly, 50 quid. 50. Now, if I'd known <laughs> that I can't add that bet into other bets, yes. I would have put that on when it was six to four. I thought I'd put every bet I have, just add the no touchback into it because it's just simple, easy money. 
Oh so my 50 gosh. pounds on the opening touch uh, opening kickoff not being a touchback. Oh. I've also got a couple of bet builders. Uh, one of them is Von Miller not to record a sack, Stafford to have an interception, Cup to score a touchdown, neither team to score 35 in the match. Right. Higgins to score a touchdown, Chase to score a touchdown, and that is 100, sorry, 66 to 1. My favorite one of them is 750 to 1. Bengals to win by at least three points. Okay. Cup, Chase, Akers, and Higgins all to score touchdowns. Right. T. Higgins gets over 70 yards. And Mike Hilton, the chap I was just talking about, gets a pick. That is 750 to 1. My God. You're a madman. Okay. And that's me done with betting. And I might might change my mind on the day, but that's what I'm Well, I, I haven't done any bet building yet. I will do that. I'll be splashing some money around. Seeing as I won 80 quid last week, which is a record for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put some money on some nonsense, including the Gatorade bet, and then yeah, my bet is just I've got the under as I said, forty eight and a half, and I've got the Bengals plus four and a half on the okay. point spread. spread. So I thought that that was, I thought it'd be less than that. I thought it'd be plus or minus three, but well, the I rounds are playing at home, aren't they? I suppose so. Yeah. So yeah, good. Uh, Cincinnati. Obviously, I hope we all end up. Place. The Rams are playing at home. It's the the city of Cincinnati is going to take Los Angeles like like a oh, tsunami yeah. coming down from Ohio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. I'm I really can't wait for them all to turn up and see the carnage that will take place of just Bengals fans trying to take every single bar, every single like taco stop, seeing yeah. what the, it looks like in that stadium. We just they're going to be so excited. So, and that's yeah. another thing why they're, they're ones to root for a little bit more because they haven't had anything anywhere near this for forever. So, for yeah. you know, yeah. for you know, this 31 year old guy who's never even been alive when the Bengals have been able to, yeah, it's just awesome, very cool. Ollie, just before you go, if you find a place you can bet around where you are that allows you to bet the exact score of the game, can you please put on for me? 34-31 to the Bengals. 34-31. Okay. Dave, can you give us a score 31. prediction just for the uh, the sake of... Oh, I've taken the under, so I've been thinking about this. Okay. 27-24 Bengals. Oh, you got a score prediction? I'll tell you reason for my one in a second as well. Uh, 35-28 Rams. I want the Bengals so... so much, but I think the Rams win it. You know how the Simpsons always get things right? Yeah, talk to me. They've got in there, they had the Bengals winning the Super Bowl against an LA team, 34-31. Granted, it looked like the Chargers logo. Where was that? Where was that? Don't know. I found it. Saw it. Well, like from years ago. Oh, my God. That's creepy, isn't it? Oh, I'm definitely going to bring that Simpsons did it. So if you don't if you don't find that anywhere to bet, I'll be sad. I can't find anywhere I can bet the actual score. I really want to bet that score. You might have to just can't you just go into a bookies jazz and they'll create that for you. You have to. I mean, I could. Yeah, but I or uh, tweet, tweet, <laughs> tweet Skybet. It's probably one like one town over. Tweet at Skybet. Skybet will do like will create odds for you sometimes if you send them tweets about the bet that you want to put on. Awesome. Wait, boys, I'm going to go. I'm going to see what Joe Burrow and people have to say and then uh, chat with the Rams and stuff later on. Uh, We'll throw that on. I'll I'll, I'll try and find the things now and I'll try and um, 
send it to you because you can ask them about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so just got off with the Cincinnati Bengals on their Zoom press conference. Delighted, sir. I got to ask Joe Burrow a question, which was pretty cool. Um, and then it was just a case of trying to bounce around all the Zoom calls and try and pick up some stuff from any of the other players, any nuggets that some of the other guys were asking. And, uh, yeah, let's have a listen to what some of the Bengals players had to say, starting, of course, with the main man himself, Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe, how you doing? Um, I wanted to ask, I don't think anybody's asked you what you thought uh, what you thought about the rally in Cincinnati on Monday night. Did it surprise you that, you know, it's about uh, 14 degrees and you had that many people out there? Uh, what was going through your mind? And what was going through your mind when they were chanting MVP? Yeah, it was exciting to see all the fans and how excited they were for for us. You know, we play for for them at the end of the day. You know, we want to make the fans proud as, as well as ourselves. But so it's always fun when you see the fans as invested in this team as you are. James, Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Hey, Joe. Uh, last week I asked you um, if it felt like uh, the, the week felt in preparation and everything, and you said it felt like a normal week. I'm sure it's a little different now that you're in Los Angeles. How, how is the, the preparation going, and how does it feel a few days ahead of the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's a little different now that we're out here. You know, it's a, a little tougher to eliminate all the distractions, but I think, you know, our guys are doing a pretty good job of that. You know, we haven't had any practice yet, so I'm excited to get out to practice today. We just finished up our first walkthroughs, so... I think once we get into the practice schedule, normal game week, I think it'll be easier. Dr. Crowley, Sky Sports. Hi, Joe. I was wondering, you were only a teenager when Stafford got drafted, and I was wondering what are your memories of watching him as you play, him play as you grew up, and also what it means to be playing the ball at such a young age? Well, I always really enjoyed watching him. You know, my most vivid memories are, you know, that Lions always played on Thanksgiving, so I always got to see him play, you know, with my family all around, sitting down and watching football on, on Thanksgiving Day. And I always thought, you know, he didn't always get the credit that he deserved for, for what he was doing. He's been one of the best players in this league his entire career. And just because they didn't have the, the team success in the playoffs, I think, you know, kind of overshadowed what he was doing as a player. Shane, ESPN. Hey, Joe, thanks for taking this. I know you just finished saying that uh, you guys haven't really been on the practice field yet, so you can't really talk too much about how game situation is going to feel and get going out there. But my, I have a two-part question real quick is, what would you tell some of these young up-and-comers coming in from the draft that have seen you, you know, now in the Super Bowl two years in here and their expectations, what kind of things would you be letting them know and saying as you enter the draft, as you get to your teams, what can they sort of expect? What should they be looking at and, and maybe trusting the process with their teams and stuff like that? So what kind of a small advice would you give some of these young guys that are going to be coming in soon? Yeah, I would say, you know, when you get into the league, a lot of different things can happen. You get a lot of money and people start reaching out to you a little more and they want to do a bunch of different things. And you know, I think the, the young guys that find success are able to, you know, eliminate all those distractions and, you know, just focus on what, what got you to this point. And I was playing football. And then, you know, as you know, this is on the second year, but, you know, I think the older guys, when they see a young guy come in who's, you know, all about his business and 
not do, not doing all that other stuff. I think that really helps helps him in the locker room as well as on the field. Hey, Joe, this is Ariana from Telemundo. Um, you mentioned that you've been a second half team all year long, and obviously that has worked in the past. And even though I know coaches and everyone is trying to treat this as a regular game, at the end of the day, you're not going to know if it's the same until you step on that field, right? So my question to you is, do you think a comeback approach will be ultimately what wins this game, or will you treat it somewhat differently from the very beginning, knowing what's yeah, well, at stake? we'd like to start out fast, you know, when they have a really good pass rush. So when they know the team's dropping back and, and throwing the ball, you know, they can kind of tee off. So we want to get out to a strong start. But, you know, whatever the game calls for us, for, for, to, for us to win, we're going to go out and do. If we get behind early, you know, we're not going to panic. So, you know, maybe a, a comeback is going to be necessary, but, you know, we'd like to jump out early and kind of control the game. Hey, Joe, 2003 Athens High grad here. Uh, spent plenty of 7 a.m. in Mr. Lalek's room. It's awesome to see the uh, success you're having. Thank you. Uh, you've spoken about how tough the 2014 state title game outcome back at Athens was on you. Uh, what impact does that game continue to have on you and your competitive fire, which certainly seems to have helped you out at LSU and now in Cincinnati? Oh, man, I think about that game all the time. We were so close and playing with a, a group of friends our entire childhood up to that point you know it was kind of culmination of a lot of hard work and and time that we had put in together and we just didn't get the job done so i still think about that one that one all the time um you know i plan on winning a super bowl eventually if it's you know we plan on doing it this week it's not this week we plan on doing it eventually and you know that that state championship in high school is going to be one that that eluded me thanks good luck nick hamilton Hey, Joe, uh, congratulations on making it this far. I uh, wanted to ask you, just you coming off your injury, obviously the criticism that Jamar Chase had, had faced early in, the, in obviously the preseason and before that, how you all bonded together to be able to create uh, what, you, what you produced on the field as well as off the field that got you to this point playing in Super Bowl 56? Yeah, I think you know, part of every good team is having great people in the locker room that can really – you know, bind a team together. You know, everyone has great players in this league. At the top, and at the top, you know, everyone has somebody, and you know, it's pretty even. I think what separates teams at the top is the the trust and the relationships that you build in that locker room to that'll that'll end up carrying out onto the field. And you know, we have great people like that that work really hard to to build those relationships within within the organization. Rachel, NFL Canada. Hi, Joe. I'm Rachel from NFL Canada. We know that your dad played here for a little while, so we were just kind of wondering what your favorite thing is about Canada and if he's told you anything about it here. Well, I've never been up there. I, I would like to go someday, but he's he would tell me stories of, of the Grey Cups up there. And, you know, my brother was actually born in Canada, so uh, I'd like to go up there someday. Never been, but I plan on going eventually. Aditi, NFL Network. Hey, Joe, Jamar talks so much about how you're the one that taught him how to prepare and read defenses and figure out soft spots and zones and things like that. Can you take us back through that process, what that was like, what kind of a learner he is? And um, he also said that you talk a lot more today than you did when he first met you. Is that true? Well, when he when we first met each other, I was uh, getting ready to 
make my first season as a starting quarterback. I hadn't played in a while, so I wasn't quite as as comfortable even in, in my first year as my second year at LSU. So I was, you know, a lot more vocal going into that second year. And I kind of knew how I wanted him to run routes and he knew how he wanted the ball to be thrown. And you know, we have a really good dialogue in that way to communicate in a positive way. You know, it's not like he's coming to the sideline and yelling at me to give him the ball, but you know, if he sees something, he's going to come over and let me know. And then that's going to translate onto the field. And, you know, Jamar's the kind of guy that if you tell him something on the first rep, he's going to do it the next rep. You're not going to have to tell him over and over again. Uh, he's a, a great player and a, and a great learner. Anthony, Vox Media. Hey, Joe, congrats on a, a great season. I wanted to ask you, I'm a SoCal guy myself, and I know you participated in Jordan Palmer's uh, workouts and QB Summit early in the pre-draft process. What was the impact of that, not only from mechanic standpoint and all of that, but also um, just him giving you insight on the Bengals organization, et cetera? Yeah, he helped me a lot this offseason. You know, we really took a look at my throwing motion and my mechanics because I was able to start from the ground up with my injury. And so we really took a, a deep dive into that and he helped me a lot. And, you know, another big part when I was you know, going into my last year at, at LSU and then going into the NFL in my first year as I was able to work out with Sam Donald and Josh Allen, guys who were doing it at the highest level. And, you know, that helped me understand that, you know, I was capable of doing it as well. Last one, Oliver, talk sport. Hi, Joe. I just wanted to know what the differences and similarities are at the moment between the experience of the national championship preparation and getting ready for a Super Bowl. And if perhaps that's beneficial, the fact that that national championship was only a couple of years ago into your preparation coming into this big game. Yeah, it's it's a similar feeling. Uh, I would say the Super Bowl were here longer. I think we, we left for, I guess, the national title was in New Orleans, so we didn't have to go super far. But... Uh, here we're probably here a little bit longer i would say the feeling in the locker room is very similar we have like i said before you know it's all about the relationships that you build within the locker room that carry over onto the field and it's all about trust and and understanding that the guys on the opposite side of the ball are going to do their jobs just like they expect you to do your jobs and that starts in the locker room and those locker room relationships feel very similar from from two years ago after Joe Burrow, I jumped on to Trey Hopkins' press conference, the man who is, of course, snapping the ball to Joe on every single offensive play, hopefully if he can stay healthy in Super Bowl 56. This is Trey Hopkins. Hey, Trey, I'm curious. When Joe got there last year, what changed just about, I don't know, the feeling in the building, going to work every Trey day, Hopkins, having that sort of guy Bengals. in a, as a part of the franchise, what does it change about just the day-to-day feel of how you guys went about your business? Um, I think it was, I think it's just exciting. I mean, change change is exciting, and I, and and I think that that's what he brought more than anything. I mean, it's, at least speaking for myself, um, it was just kind of like you know what. This we also already did at LSU. We know this guy's a, a baller. He's a great he's a great player, and it's just exciting to um, add guys like that to the team. Add guys like that to the roster. So I think that was the that was the biggest change. It was just a, a, like kind of a new spark of life, kind of. Thank you. All right, let's go to uh, Jake Malik, sideline sports. Hey Trey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So. You've been on the team for a while. Uh, you know, I talked to CJ earlier this week. He was talking about paying his dues. 
I'm sure you're feeling that, but I want to talk more about you've worked with a couple different quarterbacks, well, really just two main quarterbacks, right? But Joe last year, you got to work with him for a little bit before his injury. You were, you know, those season, those those weeks leading up to his injury, and now you played a full season with him. What have you seen out of him that he's he's just doing better in year two now? Uh, you know, you guys have a pretty close relationship with center and quarterback. I, I know a lot of people don't think of it like that, but it's a pretty important relationship. So being so close to him, working with him so often, what have you seen from uh, his start last year all the way up until now? Oh, you can definitely tell the game slows down. The game took, uh, I mean, especially for a guy like him who already came in brilliant. <laughs> like he's, 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 he's very intelligent with the football. He knows what, what we need to do. He knows what he wants to do. He's the ultimate competitor. Um, last year, I think he was just kind of depending on those things. And this year, the game definitely slowed down. He's able to anticipate, see things faster because he can anticipate those things. And and he knows how to control the game. He, he's, he's he's playing chess. He's playing chess out there where he's already counting moves ahead. He knows situations we're going to be in, um, football situations we're going to be in before we even get in them. So he knows the, the exact call. He doesn't have to wait on Zach. He doesn't have to have to wait for guys. He, he knows exactly what's going to go on. So I, be, I think that would be the biggest change. It's just the, the game, the game slowed down for him. James Palmer, NFL Network, you're up. Trey, I'm curious what your approach is in the middle against Aaron Donald. A, do you guys just not stop watching film of him over these two weeks? And is scheme more important? Because you know his physical traits and you know how dominant he can be there. Scheming away from him, is that almost more important in, 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 in stopping him? Um, I think it's a combination of both. Of course, you can't. Scheme-wise, you can't ignore the fact that he's he's a great player. Uh, no nobody can deny that. Aaron Donald is a great player. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's 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 watching film. It's 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 knowing exactly what you have to do. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's it's about what we do. We can't control what what they do. He's a great player. He's gonna he's gonna do great. I'm I'm sure. But it, it's about what we do. It's about how we control what we can control. So it's it's a lot of film. It's a lot of repetition of like like I said earlier of just basic technical things that when you play talented guys like like Aaron Donald a lot of sometimes you want to you want to step out of yourself you want to do a little bit too much because you think that'll help you when in the end it ends up it ends up hurting you because guys talented guys like Aaron Donald the Vaughn Millers those guys they take advantage of offensive linemen who who just play play outside and so play poor technique they just they just see it and they're and they're able to to capitalize on those things so combination I would say of a film study, the practicing practicing the basics, um, and of course, I mean the scheme scheme definitely plays a part in it as well. Thanks. All right, go to Chris Ryan from WGIR. Hey, Dre, how are you? Good. How are you? Awesome. Um, so, what is it? Do you think is it meant to the Bengals fans, to the franchise, and obviously you've been there for a while to be at this point, given you know franchise has been. What have you sensed about the, the meaning of this moment? I mean, it's, it's huge. It's it's incredible to me to just go, just to be in Cincinnati and just see everybody so happy. <laughs> it, it's just, it, it, it really, it it affects people, like their day-to-day lives, whether it's the, the person bagging groceries in the grocery store or or it's, it's who, the, even the, the people that watch, that, that watch my dog that I'm fortunate enough to have babysit my dog. It's just, everyone is, everyone's so much happier. The city's alive. The city has a fire, has a spark, um, and it, it's great. It, it, it's it's in, it's incredible. I mean, and we just got to saw, see that at the at the, the the rally before we before we left for LA. Just seeing the excitement and the support we have from the city is something that I haven't seen um, in my years 
prior to prior to this this year. So it's a huge change, a huge switch in energy, and I love it. Charlie Goldsmith, go ahead. Try over the course of the year, Joe's a lot better making these plays outside the pocket. Um, how has the line had to adjust as Burrow has taken that skill to another level? Um, I don't think it, it's much, I don't think it's much adjusting. It's just knowing that's the kind of quarterback we have. I mean, that's the kind of guy who can make those plays, and and they're and they're and they're great plays. It, it's all about just sustaining the blocks. Just knowing that's the kind of quarterback you got. So there's you can't have an internal play clock. You got to play through the of the whistle. Um, and you got to give him all the time he needs, whether that be three seconds or whether that be 15 seconds. Just keep playing. Play, play, play to the end of the whistle. Let's go to Laurel Fowler from Dayton Daily. Thank you. Congratulations on making it here, Trey. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if, I, if anyone's asked this. I'm sorry. I just jumped in. But uh, how are you feeling physically? Just, you know, it's been a long year for you coming back from your own knee surgery last year what how are you feeling physically um great <laughs> great I, I, the the excitement of being in the Super Bowl knocks all that that physical that physical kind of wear and tear off um we've been we've been fortunate I mean you we had this last week to kind of you know give our get our bodies back but over the season I would say beginning of the season it was a little rough and and as the seasons progressed I, I think where a lot of guys and and to be honest a lot of parts of my body other than my knee have, have felt worse than my knee has um as i've gotten like over the the year mark from the surgery it's it, i've definitely seen an, an improvement in how it feels for sure all right oliver wilson talk sport hi there trey uh, the last time the bengals played the rams was actually back in london uh, in england i'm just wondering have you noticed any similarities in the preparation for that game with of course the travel coming across to the uk and the similarities in getting ready for this super bowl yeah, I mean, I, I guess I didn't I didn't really think of it that way, but now that you say that, it, it is a lot of similarities. It was having to accommodate the travel and the different schedule and and all the the fanfare and the things that go around these games. So there there is a lot of similarities. I hadn't really thought about it that way, um, but for sure, for sure, you're you're 100 correct. Let's go to Paul Daner, the Athletic. Hey Trey, congratulations, man. Uh, I just wanted to kind of ask you uh, a, a little bit about Andrew. You know, when you first came in, what what was it like coming into a locker room where he kind of led it and owned it in a lot of ways? And what were your experiences with him as a young guy? And what is it like to know that he's still playing and you're, he's going to be on the other side uh, of the Super Bowl? It. I'll start with the last one. It's unreal to think that he is he is still playing. <laughs> he is. That is. That is crazy. It's an it's a testament to him, and, and and it's just the work that he puts in, and the kind of guy he is. That he that he's still out there grinding, still playing, still producing at the level that he is. Um, and coming into the locker room with him, it, like you said, when from the first day I, I stepped into the locker room, I can always remember Wit being the guy to look at, like from from everyone. Everyone everyone looked to Wit. Um, he was a, he was a great leader, and he he taught me a lot. Um, I spoke about this earlier in the week, but he taught me a lot about just what it what it means to be a pro and how to prepare yourself yourself without having a, a coach kind of lead you and tell you exactly what to do or being coddled and, and, and told what what you have to do every second of the day. Um, with that was one thing I thought he was he was very good at was just being a pro and knowing exactly what he needed to be prepared, whether that's physically, mentally, whether it's getting his body right, where it's going to yoga, whether it's getting whatever kind of treatment you need, it was it was that kind of stuff. And I mean that's that's what has him still playing at such a high level as he's playing at now is just his ability 
to, to manage itself like like a grown man. Um, so I think that's I learned that was the huge thing I learned from it. Um, so yeah. And finally, a little word from Mike Hilton, corner for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was asked whether any tells in Cooper Cup's game that corners can try and find to give them an advantage when taking on arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL at the moment. In the week, is it all just off the cuff when you talk trash? <laughs> uh, to answer your question, yeah, I, I've seen some things. Um, every receiver, just like any other position, everybody has some type of tendency. And, you know, you just got to pick up on that tendency. And if you feel it's right at that moment and you have the opportunity to go make the play, go make it. So I, I'm confident in my preparation. Like I said, it's still only Wednesday, so I still got a lot of time to watch, watch film and really get some insight. So I, I'll be prepared. And <laughs> with the trash talk, it, it, just, it just comes off comes off the dome, man. You know, it's whatever come, comes after I make a play or – the the opposing player makes a play and he's talking so it, it's all fun and you know it, it's, it's exciting Karita parks three-point conversion hey mike for you and most of the guys on the team this is your first super bowl how do you balance taking in the moment and enjoying it but also still focusing on the task at hand just know when to flip that switch um like i said earlier you know not a lot of people make it uh, to this point in their career. So you definitely have to take advantage. You definitely have to enjoy it and, you know, realize, like, you know, you might never get, get an opportunity to be here again. So you, you definitely have to enjoy it and embrace it. But at the same time, you got to know it, it's, it's still one job to do, and that's when the Super Bowl. Um, we, we didn't work this hard for nothing. And, we, we like I said, we wanted to finish it off the right way. So enjoy we say enjoy your time but definitely lock in and stay focused on on the goal at hand mike petraglia hey mike how you doing yeah but so i'm doing well wanted to ask you about the number of leaders you have on the defensive side of the ball especially in the secondary and why that is such a big deal when maybe things don't go right in a game, like let's say Kansas City in the AFC Championship first half, why is it such a big deal to have so many leaders? It's, it's just a common effect. You, you get different type of leaders with different type of people. I'm not the vocal guy. I'm gonna be the guy like, all right, y'all, it's still a long game to settle down. Compared to Jess, who you know he, he'll get hit Jess, Sam, people like that. They'll get get the guys riled up and ready to go. And, so it's, you just you just get a mixture of different uh, different personalities and everybody responds differently. So you you got to do what works for you and your team and uh, the the guys we have as leaders, you know, they they do that well. All right, time to see what the LA Rams had to say in their media availability on Wednesday afternoon as we get ready for Super Bowl Fifty Six. Hey Matt Rocco Law, WRHU New York. Uh, First off, just congratulations on making the Super Bowl and uh, for a great run the Rams have had. Uh, you know, Matt, from your time in Detroit and now currently with the Rams, you have always been held as a player to compete to the last down. Your former coaches rave about you. McVay raves about you right now. What does it mean to you in the highest regard to play as the biggest stage as in your career on Sunday? And what's some, what's some things you have worked on this week to, you know, not squander the moment and play as hard as you can and come out on top on Sunday. Yeah, it means a lot to me to get to this point. Obviously, my career, um, you know, it's been a whole lot of fun to be on this run. 
you know, with the success of this team, so many great players and coaches that I'm surrounded by in this organization, it's it's a, it's a whole lot of fun. And I'm enjoying every single moment of it. As far as uh, getting ready for this week, I'm just trusting my preparation. You know, last week's a little bit different, obviously with no game, um, but only one opponent to play rest of the year. So um, a little bit of a jump, uh, jump start on that. But um, this week, we just kind of take it like a normal week, go out there and, and prepare like we normally do, trusting that process is enough to go out there and win the game and, and play well on Sunday. Next question will go to John Hoing. Yeah, Matt, um, we hear all the players talk about the distractions of the Super Bowl. And I know these media opportunities are a little bit of pain for you, but what other distractions are there with you guys being at home? Um, you know, I think they're pretty limited for us. Um, we don't have to travel, which is nice. Um, you know, I think the biggest new obligations that we have um, during these, uh, you know, last couple, you know, 10 days or so has been these media, you know, obligations that we have, some things that we have as a team to do, whether it be the little uh, pep rally or whatever it was the other night. But um, I think Coach has done a great job. We've got a, you know, a veteran team, guys that understand what it takes to get ready to go play a football game. Um, there's probably some guys with a few more family members in town, um, but I think our organization did a great job of, you know, helping us find spots to put those families so that we can continue to create as much of a normal atmosphere as we possibly can to continue to get ready to play this game on Sunday. Next question to Jenny. Uh, hi, Matthew. Um, a lot of teams, including yours, dealt with a spike in COVID cases late in the regular season due to Omicron. The numbers have gone down a lot since then, but I guess um, what instructions have Sean given the team or what are you doing personally to kind of stay safe in a week like this when there are a lot of guests in town um, to avoid getting sick before the game? And does being at home help you be in the best position to do that? Um, I don't know if being at home or on the road really helps us, you know, either way. Um, I think our team has done a great job since we had that, um, you know, tough, tough, uh, you know, couple weeks probably there with, with a bunch of guys being positive. Um, you know, we lean on our training staff and our performance staff to, you know, help us um, do everything we can to mitigate those, you know, opportunities to get sick. Um, but our team's done a great job, um, you know, in the recent, uh, you know, past couple weeks to, uh, to really, you know, making sure everybody makes it the game today and is feeling good. So we're excited about the opportunity and uh, doing everything we can to make sure our team is held strong to get there. Next question to Charlie. A lot's been made of the defensive adjustment the Bengals made in the second half against the Chiefs. I'm curious, when you see something like that on the field, what's your process of managing a big defensive adjustment in the moment? You know, I think the biggest thing is just trying to play each individual play as its own, right? Just because they, you know, blitzed everybody and played cover zero the last snap doesn't mean they're going to do it again the next and doesn't mean that because they dropped eight and played you know Tampa two with a P dropper underneath that they're going to do it the next you just got to see the defense play each individual snap as, a, as its own um, you know that's easier said than done a lot of times you're doing everything you can to try and help your team win you're battling you're competing um, but sometimes the best thing you can do for your team is just check it down or move on to the next play so um, it's a challenge. They do a great job of mixing up looks. Um, a really smart defensive coordinator and smart defensive players to go out there and execute that plan. So it's a big challenge for us. But, uh, you know, we face the defense every single day in, in uh, practice that's pretty special itself. So, um, you know, feel good about, uh, you know, where we are as a team when it comes to that. My voice, I'm just glad I feel good. You know, I know I, I, I sound terrible, but I feel better than, uh, than what I sound. And so that thing... I never realized how much I talk and how loud and obnoxious I am when I don't have my voice. 
Well, let, I wanted to ask you um, a couple of questions uh, dealing with perfection. You know, Les said this morning that uh, you were a perfect partner for him. So I, I wanted to know if, you know, what your feelings were, uh, if you agree with that in terms of how you work with Les. And also, sitting with that perfect theme, um, if you think this scenario of being at home, of having Stafford playing so efficiently, having so many of your other guys playing so well here in the postseason, if that's kind of, you know, a perfect scenario for you guys going into a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, to answer the second part of your question, I think it's great. And I think you can say the same thing about the Bengals. Uh, why you get into a situation like this to play for a world championship is because your best players play like they're capable of and they play at the best when their best is required. And that's what we've seen. Um, I think those guys, you know, the Bengals have been great in the crunch time moments. And I think One, our guys six. have as well in the three games that each team has played. As far as less, um, I feel the same way. I think uh, the best thing I can say is my appreciation for our partnership, our relationship, our friendship has only grown as we've had more time together. Um, I think the thing that initially we hit it off so well was the game through the same lens, um, have the very similar core philosophies, beliefs, value systems that kind of guide and dictate the way we want to lead and operate. Um, and we're both really passionate about football. And I think the, the best part about our relationship is the things that he's responsible for overseeing. Um, you know, he's got a great mastery of and the things that I'm responsible for overseeing. And really, we're not interested in blurring those lines. We have total trust and confidence in one another. Um, and I think more than anything, we have a real friendship um, that allows us to be able to have difficult conversations. And then when we make decisions, uh, we're in alignment and we move forward accordingly. And I think that's been vital to a lot of the good things that have gone on here, uh, whether it be we've made uh, the decisions. And, um, you know, I also think that both he and I uh, are not afraid to take risks, even if it means, you know, putting yourself out there for expectations. If we believe that it is, in fact, what's best for our football team. And I know. Kevin and Tony and Mr. Cronky the same way. And I'm very appreciative to be with people that uh, aren't afraid to take their swings and shoot their shots.